after absolutely wrecking Wisconsin this weekend, is there anyone Ohio State should still be afraid of? You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, Nate Dickinson here. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. It's everything you need to know about the conference every single day of the week. Coming up on today's show, Jay Stevens of Locked On Buckeyes is going to join us to go over a beatdown put on by Ohio State against Wisconsin. The Buckeyes scored in each of their first four possessions on Saturday, and it was never really close against Wisconsin, and we'll get to all of that with Jay in just a moment. Thank you for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every single weekday. We'll start out, of course, with the full slate from Saturday. It was a big, big weekend of games. So I've got just my biggest takeaway from each one of them that I thought at least was worth mentioning here to start off the show. Again, we'll get to Ohio State and Wisconsin with Jay in a minute. Michigan had a day against Maryland, did Blake Corm. Final line for him at 243, two touchdowns, a career high in yards, and they win 34 to 27. A close one at the end, and it was pretty much close throughout. Maryland put up a good fight, but Michigan ends up coming out on top because of that huge day from Corum there. Penn State was good enough to win against Central Michigan, 33 to 14, the final score. Sean Clifford looked really good too. His final stat line, 217, four total touchdowns though. And if he's going to be, again, manageable, well, Nick Singleton's going to be outstanding, and we'll get to later more on that Penn State running game that was really good over the weekend, too. I think that Penn State's got the potential to be really good. AP polls are reflecting that, too, something we'll get to at the end of the show. Uh, Minnesota wrecked Michigan State in just about every single way possible. Tanner Morgan was great. He, he had, I think it was three touchdowns. Uh, Mo Ibrahim had 100 yards rushing. It was a blowout. Michigan State falls entirely out of AP poll voting. Not a single vote, and we'll get to more on how the Gophers are doing there later on in the show, too. Uh, Cincinnati absolutely wrecked Indiana. Tyler Scott for Cincinnati. The receiver, final yards, 185 in three touchdowns. Um, it was bad for the Hoosiers. We'll talk to Jacob Rudin, get his thoughts on that later in the week. Uh, Iowa beat Rutgers. It was not so close to final score, 27-10, but it was two defensive touchdowns. Well, a defensive touchdown and a special teams touchdown for Iowa that kind of propelled them to that win. So a win and a Big Ten win for the Hawkeyes, but certainly not the convincing win that we were thinking about. Do not let that final score fool you if you did not watch that game. Northwestern lost 17-14. to It was on the last drive of the game to Miami of Ohio. They got the winning points, just seconds left to go in that matchup, and the Wildcats take a tough L. And Austin Burton fills in for Aiden O'Connell at Purdue and is just barely to beat F- able to beat FAU to keep Purdue at least above water right now. Uh, O'Connell goes out after being questionable all week, This was a game that if he was going to miss one, it makes sense for him to miss this thing if he's just trying to rest things. 
But as far as like regular season games go, this is a guy who's a sixth-year senior, and this was his homecoming game for Purdue, last homecoming game that he was going to have out there. So if this guy was going to, I guess, be wanting to suit up for any sort of early regular season game against a school that doesn't really matter as far as the big picture of what you want to do this season is, this might be the game. But I don't think we read too much into that. We still don't know really what this injury is. But at least for right now, I think that this can be optimistically, if you want to be optimistic about it, viewed as something that was more of a let's, hey, get make sure this guy's ready for the bigger games ahead, like, say, Minnesota coming up this week. If more comes out throughout the week, and I'm sure more will, we'll learn about it. But at least for now, I, I just think I, I'm not trying to say he's going to play. I'm just not ready to say, okay, let's be really, really worried about it yet. So we'll see what happens with Aiden O'Connell. If he's out more, like obviously Purdue has no chance against Minnesota this weekend if he's gone. And then if it becomes like, okay, this is three, four weeks. I mean, Purdue has Minnesota, Maryland, Nebraska, and Wisconsin coming up the next four weeks. Those are all formidable Big Ten teams. Nebraska, maybe not, but maybe they have something put together by that week. We'll see what ends up happening with O'Connell, but I, I'm trying to stay optimistic about him being able to play because I want to see him play in a game like this one against Minnesota coming up this weekend. It, it's supposed to be one of the ones that's like one of the one you look forward to against a couple of evenly matched, but you think pretty good Big Ten teams. We'll see. Uh, Big Ten Players of the Week announced, of course, after the games as well. Blake Corum gets Offensive Player of the Week. We already read off that stat line, 243 yards for him, along with Tanner Morgan of Minnesota. Uh, Kayvon Merriweather of Iowa, who had a fumble return touchdown, one of those touchdowns we talked about for the Hawkeyes in the win. And Ohio State's Tommy Eichenberg get Defensive Players of the Week. Torrey Taylor did it again for Iowa, getting special teams player of the week. Four for five, pinning opponents inside the 20. And those four pins at the 4, 7, 11, and 6 yard lines. He's masterful in the art of punting. And Katron Allen from Penn State is the freshman of the week. He, behind Nick Singleton, put together 111 rushing yards in Penn State's big win over Central Michigan. That's a look at everything that went down over the weekend in the Big Ten. If you weren't watching all the games and just kind of wanted to know, hey, what do I need to know about that one? I tried to at least maybe help out a little bit. We got Jay Stevens to get a little bit more in-depth on Ohio State, Wisconsin, and we're going to get more in-depth on some of the other games throughout today and tomorrow, too. I, I just wanted to get the quick recaps for you here right off the bat. And now let's dive into starting with the biggest game of the weekend, which Jay will talk to us about right here on Locked On Big Ten. Before we do that, though, these days every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can do just about anything on LinkedIn if you're a professional. You know that. It's the network for people to connect there. So it makes sense that LinkedIn Jobs is the best place for you to go and post your job, find your next 
potential great hire. So if you go over to LinkedIn Jobs right now and you sign up with us, you can post your job for free. What you do is you go on over to linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. You can get to 40 million job seekers every single week over at LinkedIn. So head on over to linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten alongside Jay Stevens, the host of Locked On Buckeyes. I'm Nate Dickinson. A blowout on Saturday between Ohio State and Wisconsin. Jay, this one was pretty much over from the start. And Ohio State looked like it was doing about everything it wanted to. Do you feel like, I mean, everything worked? Yeah, it definitely seemed like that. The Buckeyes knew going into the game, one of the biggest ways Brendan to be successful was not on the offensive side of the ball, but was on the defensive side of the ball with how they would come back and try to slow down Wisconsin's running back, Braylon Allen, outside of one long touchdown run, said he's 75 yards in late in the game against the backups of Ohio State. Braylon Allen was really kept in check. He only had 4.1 yards per carry outside of that one touchdown run. You may look at the final stats, 165 on the ground, 23 carries, and maybe, what, seven-plus yards per carry. That's going to be amazing. But if you look down at the nitty-gritty, when all you have to do is really stop or slow down Braylon Allen, and you do that, one of the best backs, not just in the Big Ten, but in the country, that's going to help you be successful. Add in Stroud starting eight for eight, getting contributions from Marvin Harrison Jr. at Kabuka, Julian Fleming, Cade Stover, Stover a tight end getting contributions from all over the field in the passing game. Then you add in the O-line being very, very physical. DeWan Jones, who dropped weight at the right tackle spot in the offseason, is doing phenomenal things this year. It really was an amazing performance to watch. I mean, being up 28-0, you just don't think about that against Wisconsin. Now, I didn't know what Wisconsin was going to be because the only Power 5 team they played prior to this this was Washington State, in which they lost by three points. Only scored 14. Uh, and was, was Washington State, State scored 17. So you're really trying to figure out who this team is. I think Wisconsin can be decent, but against a team like Ohio State, which is literally the class of not just of the Big Ten, but also one of the better teams in the country, you realize if you slow down their running back, Graham Mertz cannot get the job done. Even if Ohio State's not using their top three corners because they're injured, Graham Mertz still, still isn't the guy that can throw the ball around the yard to move the ball up and down the field. 52-21, um, I didn't see the Buckeyes scoring 52 points. I thought maybe 45, but I get it. They're hitting on all cylinders. And I think Rutgers and the rest of the opponents in the rest of the season, as Ohio State keeps rolling, keeps getting better, man, it's going to be scary to see what this team can do in 2022. What do you make about that Wisconsin defense, though? I mean, we've talked about how Badgers really weren't able to get that much going when they had the ball, but... Ohio State comes out, scores on its first four possessions, marches, does, again, like I said, really whatever it wants. Where do you put that defense at right now with what you saw in the game? And, I mean, can it be good enough to end up being competitive at the end? Yes, it can. But I think the problem we saw yesterday, Nate, or Saturday evening was Ohio State just has too many weapons. And ESPN, no, ABC had the graphic – Four and five star recruits per play per team. Wisconsin had 20. Ohio State had 66 of their players that were four or five star recruits. That's a gap in talent. I don't say Wisconsin's not talented. I think that there's a large gap in talent. Both schools are good at developing their talent. But when you have that much talent collected in Columbus, it's gonna be really, really hard for a school of Wisconsin who is tough, physical, disciplined, all of those things. 
But when you have a coaching staff at Ohio State that's doing the things they're doing this year and showing that Ohio State's a better coach team in 2022 than they were really during any other tenure, uh, any other year at Ohio State, you're really see- under a run to Ryan Day. You're really seeing that discipline and physicality on all- on the old line is really helping. And Wisconsin's defense is going to be good, but they're not going to be able to compete with any other better teams in the country. And that's what Ohio State really showed over the weekend. How many defenses right now in the country are you putting on a level that you think they could do anything to slow down Ohio State? Oh, boy. Uh, maybe a handful. Maybe. I'd say maybe. I know Georgia. Um, I don't know. I, George is the only one that I could def- definitively say they can do something with Ohio State. That's the only one. Um, Oklahoma, maybe. Um, I'm not going to say Alabama can. I, I don't know, man. I, I This offense, it is not just the talent. I can harp on the talent all the time. I think Ryan Day is dialing up some really interesting things in utilizing different personnel groupings. Um, we even see a lot of times they're going, they're going empty backfield and shotgun, but they're not changing personnel. They have a running back and a tight end and three receivers. It's not like they're bringing out five receivers. And so you can come out in five wide to bring that, bring the tight end in, to bring the running back in, still be in shotgun. Next thing you know, the Buckeyes are running a read option play to the tight end side who is one split out. So it's really hard to gauge what this offense is going to do. And so the only team I can really think of is out is Georgia. I really think, what was it, 2020? It may have been 2020. Um, no, it could have been 2020. It may have been, it may have been last year. I think somebody said, how about we just get the best offense in Ohio State versus the best defense in Georgia and have them play for the national championship. And I'm like, Ohio State has issues. I get how good the offense is, but it's not the elite of the elite. It's not, it's not the best that it can be. I think this year's offense, in a few weeks, we'll see it's better consistently, more consistently than the offense was last year. Uh, 2019, which is a special year when they had so many NFL players. Um, but I really think it's just Georgia, man. If you would think it down the road, if, te- if everything stays the same right now in college football, you're going to have a hard time saying the best two teams in the country um, are Ohio State and Georgia. You could look at and say Georgia best defense, Ohio State best offense. Let's fast track to the natty to see those two teams play because I firmly think Kirby Smart, Ryan Day, those two guys are offensive coaching day and defensive coaching smart. That's going to be a matchup. You think it's going to be a phenomenal like games at the end of the year. That matchup alone is going to be one that I cannot wait to see. I hope it happens. But really, man, it's just Georgia's defense. I think Georgia is the possibly team, possible team, um, only possible team, really, that can really hang or slow down, make it tough for the Ohio State offense to move the ball up and down the field. Jay, anything you think needs to be worked on with what you saw on Saturday? Whew. Uh, well, let me think. I'm going to do some verbal tab dancing because that was a question I was not expecting. <laughs> um, use mine, Williams more. I know okay. Ohio State's trying to use two running backs, and I talked about this last night on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, Ohio State postgame show, and I asked, I think, Tyvis Powell a question about if should you play Mayan Moore or Travian Henderson, and I still am a believer from what I've seen to the first four games of the year, play Mayan Williams. The offense flows better. I don't know about Travian Henderson. He's the more talented running back. He was the five-star. He was the guy that had all these accolades coming in. But my eyeballs have showed me this offense this year flows better with Mayan Williams in the backfield over Travion Henderson. If you feature Henderson for some odd reason, I don't know what it is, the offense is not the same. So the only thing I could say, honestly, is play Williams more. Now, you may not want to give him all the carries, 
But have him get the bulk of the carries. Like, I don't want to have it be an even where Henderson might get 10, Williams gets 9, or Williams gets 12, and Henderson gets 11. How about we just get it really – have the guy get 18 to 20 carries a game and then see what happens. I think that's the one thing that can aid the offense and the team is giving the guy the rock that it makes the team most successful. To me, that's Mayan Williams, who technically is RB2 in the depth chart. But my eyeballs, eyeballs tell me he's the better running back with the offense and it flows better with him out there on the field. It's good stuff. Thanks, Jay. Jay Stevens of the Locked On Buckeyes podcast every day of the week. You can hear more on all the stuff going on with Ohio State over there. And, of course, listening to all your other Big Ten podcasts, too. Uh, thanks again, as always, for coming on here, Jay. I, again, we always know we're going to talk to you again soon. <laughs> no problem, man. I really appreciate it. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate no problem, you coming man. on for a few minutes. No problem, man. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Hey, thanks again to Jay Stevens for joining us here on the show. Before we wrap up on Monday, uh, some of the later, just like kind of even when we've been planning and recording here, news breaking. AP polls are out. We're getting into also some news about some of the injuries that we heard from over the weekend. I'll tell you what I'm alluding to in a second. But we have first the top 25 latest results out after reactions to the big weekend of games. At the top, nothing special, nothing new. Ohio State still three, Michigan still four, rightfully so. Penn State goes up three spots, moves up to number 11, takes advantage of being able to play well, of course, and is getting closer and closer to that top 10. And the biggest leap that we can talk about here, Minnesota, all the way up to number 21 in the AP Top 25 after beating Michigan State. One notable thing before I talk a little bit more about the Gophers, that's it as far as any Big Ten teams receiving a vote. So that's four Big Ten teams that people are saying are even considerable to be top 25 worthy right now. Nobody even had another Big Ten team in their head. And given where we started the season, when we were talking about, okay, can Purdue be top 25? Can Michigan State, or Michigan State was top 25, but we thought, assumed Michigan State was top 25. Why isn't Iowa in the top 25? Wisconsin? Nebraska we were talking about? I, I mean, what are we supposed to do with the mediocrity that we've seen so obviously so far? Uh, I, mean, I mean, this is right. It's deserved, right? But uh, I, it's not good. I guess that's, that's what I'm saying. Sound the alarms. Because, I mean, if you're one of these four teams, you're feeling good right now. But if you're looking at the conference as a whole... This is brutal. And when it comes to selection time at the end of the season and bowl games and all that kind of stuff, you're looking at a conference right now that did not put up the same kind of fight that it had done so spectacularly in the last season when we had four different teams fighting for it throughout the entire season on that one side of the, division, or the conference. This is not that year. And we'll see what that ends up meaning. But it looks like right now we got four teams. Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State on one side, and then Minnesota on the other. Speaking of Minnesota, they get into this top 25 here. Have earned it. Looked really, really good. I want to look ahead for them, though, because obviously all those teams on the other side are going to play each other. But Minnesota now presents an interesting case. Purdue this week for the Gophers, then an off week, Illinois, 
and then a really, really intriguing matchup against Penn State. A rematch of, as both fan bases will know, a match that they had three years ago when both of these teams were, to be quite honest, the last time really, really nationally relevant again. Minnesota won that one at home. This one's going to be at Penn State. That has the potential to be an electric matchup, even if both these teams have like just one loss at that point. But if they could both go in it undefeated, that has huge, huge, huge Big Ten implications. If Minnesota wins that game, you're looking at between them and the end of the season, which for the Gophers is Iowa and Wisconsin, the big two rivals, the two games that they've been looking at and looking forward to the entire year. That's at the end of the road, no matter what happens before it. But now the only thing standing in the way of Minnesota and being undefeated going into that game is that Penn State game. And then a Purdue matchup here this weekend in which the Boilermakers may not even have Aiden O'Connell out there. And even if they do, it's not the team that we thought they were or could be at the top of the season, at least not right now. That is all that stands in between Minnesota and going into Iowa on November 19th at a if you ask me what would be 10 and 0 the only other games Illinois Rutgers Nebraska Northwestern those are teams Minnesota should beat and if you ask me Purdue's another one of them too but that's a, a step above still if you ask me but uh, that's shaping up to be our team in the west if you look at it right now I was not going to the college football playoff. Wisconsin is not going to the college football playoff. Minnesota right now already has a good win under its belt now against Michigan State. Is going to have a Purdue win that we're still hoping can turn into decent. Iowa, Wisconsin, Penn State with it too. I'm thinking about we're trying to avoid the situation where if the team in the West wins the Big Ten, then the Big Ten has no college football playoff teams because that's been far too close to happening lately. If Minnesota can keep it up, they could put together a worthy case here. No Ohio State, no Michigan, of course, until that Big Ten championship game. They have the path. That is your best bet right now if you're fighting for that second security blanket into the college football playoff. That, that's, I think, the most important thing when we're looking at what this, uh, I guess, week taught us. It's that Minnesota is now in the front seat in the West, and they've got themselves probably an opportunity, if they keep winning, to at least be considered for another college football playoff spot at the end if they can, again, pull off some really, really big wins over a stretch of time that's too long for us to be confident about yet still. But moving on. Before we let you go, one more thing. I mentioned uh, an injury story came out. Clay Cundiff, tight end for Wisconsin. He was carted off in the game against Ohio State. He is out now for an indefinite time, it was announced. But hopes are that he can be back before the end of the season. Uh, Paul Chris did not provide any more specifics on anything. But that's at least okay news, we'll say, uh, that kind of hopefully you'll be able to be back by the end of the year. Whenever someone goes off like that, you, you kind of worry about the worst at the very, very best. And it's nice to see that 
there can at least be some hope that he can get back out on the field. And Wisconsin, of course, would love to have him back out there as they get into their second part of the season. We'll be back here tomorrow. Again, we're going to go into more some of the bigger results from over the weekend. Minnesota and Michigan State, of course, was not close. Just how good are these Gophers? I touched on it here. May have to get a little bit more into that as we get on the show here tomorrow. That's coming up here on Locked On Big Ten on Tuesday. Until then, I'm Nate Dickinson. This has been Locked On Big Ten. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. It's Locked On Big Ten, one zero, not T-E-N at the end. Wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube and on Twitter too. My personal Twitter is at Nate with Sports. We'll talk to you tomorrow.